But that obsession of the process, the obsession of creating products, services that dig so much into details, that doesn't come unless you research. That doesn't come unless you put more effort into understanding your customer, understanding the problem itself, before you go on and just do trial and error. This is Tarek Fuad and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast. Tarek, a great colleague of mine with humor like no other, but also someone who has truly important messages to share. Great to have him on this episode, a truly entrepreneurship episode. Tarek takes a big role in growing the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the MENA region. He is growth manager at Shara Sharsha Entrepreneurship Center, created three ventures in his life and is an early stage investor and mentor. Always up for love, or as he said with sarcasm, don't take life too serious. He supports social and commercial startups for mentoring, advising and investing in them throughout that journey. Excited to have him in this Chapters of My Life podcast, which is all about the art of optimizing from young age till today. He chose six chapters in his Chapters of My Life book called The Art of F Up Greatly. Please be informed that the recording got some adult languages. Uh, maybe not appropriate for kids to hear, but definitely for entrepreneurs. Swearing, laughing, and also some emergency sounds like the gas leak <laughs> alert can be heard during the podcast, but don't worry, nothing happened, but that's live. A live recording just can't be added. Also, folks, great news. After some feedback, we started to create something new called Quotes Corner. Who likes quotes? I'm pretty sure everyone of us got at least one quote in life to remember. Quotes are amazing to listen like small statements to get the energy boost you sometimes need. Just before a race, exam or tough work project. The quote corner are snippets and highlights of the whole recording from each speaker. Easily accessible on a separate playlist on our website, exclusive on chaplessofmylife.org and also on the show notes. Each talk got this playlist and more and more quotes will be added over time. See it as an inspirational summary of a long talk, few seconds to a minute. And when you ask yourself what actually is Chapters of My Life podcast, it's people life transformed into a book chapter. It's a format which truly encourages to let your imagination spark. So I want you to imagine you write your own life story in form of a book already. It's a challenge itself, frankly, and honestly, not everyone has thought of this. But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share with others. Achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions, which in the end lead to the person we are today. So this Chapters of My Life podcast is an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audiobook format, capturing the willpower and belief of people doing important life-changing decisions. We interview innovators, athletes, entrepreneurs, idealists, to give an insight into their past life from young age till today and transform their life into book chapters. So, in other words, everything which leads to the person they are today. It's interviewed by me, Daniel Ludwig, and you can find me on social media at by Daniel Ludwig. Entrepreneurship, learning curves, and lessons for young entrepreneurs. Let's start it. Enjoy. Never give up. Always look up. So here we are. <laughs> Thanks, Tarek, for taking the time. Thank you, Danny, for 
inviting me to do this. So, Tarek, quick question. Um, just before the start of the podcast, I asked you to do make a joke, yeah. and you couldn't make it. Yeah. Are you that funny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Why did it took you so long to make a joke? So, uh, I, like I, I have to script things. Um, I think I'm I'm uh, I'm good in improvisation when there are people around like and when it when it's spontaneous right but then when you ask me to do something it it doesn't come natural like it has to naturally happen as it goes yeah as it goes we're sitting in uh, you know sitting in a in a, in a in a group setting right and it just just happens right yeah but to be honest I Got to know you like this as well. I mean, I mentioned that in the intro as well, that you are that guy who you cannot just work with. You, you see, I can see you as not just as a colleague, as a great friend to joke around mm. all the time. And, you know, over the last couple, almost a year, actually, almost a year, actually, uh, one year anniversary. Yes, at that's Jurassic right. I yeah, right. know you for over one year. I know that you have different positions, work positions, and you have worked in different work positions. You were certified life, correct me if I'm wrong, certified yeah. life coach. You were a fitness trainer. You are an early stage investor. You're a growth manager, mm -hmm. business founder, dad, mm -hmm. as a job. You can see that full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what haven't you been? I haven't been a lot of things, man. Tell me, which, one, which jobs you would love to explore in the future um, um, that's actually a very interesting question <laughs> I think um so when you take a look at at, at the history right um, I have the tendency to kind of try things in general and um, <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> now I know that. Now so what just happened? Is now I know. <laughs> I'll switch this off because I think this is mixing. Yeah. Uh, so what just happened, Tarek? Literally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I now I know why you put <laughs> tissue papers here. It's like pour uh, pour the glass over the okay. table, but cool. we keep it live on it's it, okay. so that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> So um, I I like I'm a I love experimentation. And I love uh, learning by doing. And if I love something, <laughs> this is going to be the funniest chapter in your life. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I do believe so. <laughs> um, I tend to learn, I tend to go and study it, right? Um, and I think I. I would love to. I would love to kind of focus more on, um, maybe down the line. I would love to experiment with politics. I would love to experiment with psychology. Interesting. Um, I would love to experiment in uh, acting, right? Uh, even playing music, like drums, um, is like one instrument that I wish to kind of go learn and play and uh interesting that you mentioned music because today 
actually you listened quite carefully what you said to one of the colleagues and you said you love listening to good lyrics uh-huh. yeah. so give me an example what is the perfect music you love to listen which has an amazing insightful lyric um what is Tarek so in terms listening? of like english music so english music i don't necessarily kind of tend to listen to the lyrics much Although there are a few tracks that are, uh, I think the lyrics are amazing, uh, but it's the beat, right? So English music, it's more the beat, the rhythm, you know, the uh, in fitness, you kind of learn how to count mm-hmm. because you choreograph with uh, with the music. Yeah. They teach you that. And to choreograph, you've got you've to count. Yeah. So whenever I'm listening to like English music, in the back of my head, this is what's going on. One, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight. And it kind of tends to become a... <laughs> it, takes, it takes the vibe from the song, right? Uh, but it's the beat that I care about. In Arabic songs, though, I'm more of a critic. Like, I, I prefer songs that are well-written. I don't care much of the beat, although I would love an, a nice beat and maybe a modern beat. But the lyrics have to kill it. Like, forget <laughs> all this love uh, shit and uh, most of the time, yeah, most of all the. Yeah. I don't mind it being all about love, but it needs to be mature, right? It's not the it's not the millennial type of music. Yeah. So, um, again, um, I I love experimentation, and I think this is where I found that you know, um, I, I was I was I was in engineering to begin with. Um, and then I ventured out to fitness and while I was fitness, I was thinking, you know what, like I'm changing all these people physically, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel complete. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you want to change them from the inside, not just from the outside. And this is where I said, you know what, I'd, I'd love to learn more about how I do this. And some friend kind of told me, oh, you should, you be a natural NLP practitioner. I said, what the fuck is NLP? I didn't know what NLP is. But then I ventured to it and I kind of loved what it is and and I I learn as I go along, right? And I don't fear kind of doing new things. I got to know you like this as well. I mean, I remember very well when we, six, seven months ago when mm. we started to swim together after work mm-hmm. with the other colleague. Yes. And you knew all the techniques in and out. Yeah. You explained mm. in and out how, what is the pe- best yeah. swimming technique. Yeah. You know, and me, like, you know, I'm into swimming and triathlon, yeah. zero technique. I'm like, how do you know all this? Yeah. You know, all I love to out. study. I'm, I'm quite just, a nerd. I'm so ad- impressed yeah. when I keep listening to that. You really want to know w- the the basics behind totally the insights totally. and the data behind. yeah yeah so this is this is usually how i study like if if i study something that i don't get it like i don't understand it yeah. it doesn't stick yeah and i hate memorizing like i hate to be like a parrot you know just uh, just listen do say exactly the same shit and i think when it comes to entrepreneurship for example or engineering or whatever it is it was always it wasn't just talk because I read it from a textbook. It's talk because it's backed with experience. And yeah. I think that's that's what, what I love about, or, or one skill or one attitude towards life that I'm uh, grateful for having 
because it's allowing me to literally just venture to anything that I put my head on for. Right? If I if I wake up in the morning and said I want to try to be a cook, I will just go and try to be a cook. Yeah. Right? I do like it's it doesn't not knowing doesn't stop me, right? I think this is nowadays also uh, the culture itself. Many pretend to know it all, but they don't know actually what the science is behind. Yes. Now they're just pretending to know it. Yes. So, Tarek, I want to go back a little bit, uh, a little bit back uh, to the past. And, you know, that format, talking a little bit about your life, but turning this life into book chapters. And, and also to understand what could be your life book look like. So I want you to imagine you going into a library. When was, by the way, the last time you went to the library? Not a long time ago, library. because we, you That's work opposite of our library, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so, no, uh, like, uh, um, by the way, I, I love bookstores. So I go to a lot of bookstores, yeah. but, uh, but to sit in a library and read there, you know, like, we don't have much libraries happening yes. around in public anyhow. Uh, but certainly I'm a, I'm a, I'm a book... Uh, I can't... Well, I love to read, let yeah. me say it this way. And I'm a Blinkist fan. <laughs> 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 because for me, uh, there is nothing that kind of annoys me but time wasted. Yeah. And um, if there is something that I read, either on the internet uh, or um, in, a, in a book that you gave me, for example, or, or in Blinkist, I would certainly, and I love it, like this is something that I want to cherish, I would certainly go and buy the book. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's in the library. Yeah, for like what? Ages. More like ages. Yeah. The reason why I'm asking you is because um, I want you to imagine you're going to a library. And let's say you're looking for your own life book. You know, if you're already at that current stage, at your age right now, you wrote your biography. Um, in what section would you look for your life, uh, for your book? Would it be under the entrepreneurship section, under the life coach no. section, under the... Uh, it, it would be under biography. It only? Yeah. Only. Biography. Yeah. Although it's a boring section, uh, per se, yeah, yeah, I yeah. would prefer <laughs> if uh, if I would place it somewhere um, exotic. But it's still going to be classified as a biography. It's more of... It's more of um, a storytelling, right? So it's autobiography yeah. section slash storytelling yeah. section. Okay. And the reason why I'm asking is because so many who I've interviewed place them in different sections. Mm. Some actually place them in science sections, sometimes in also entrepreneurship, but also maybe in self-help. Mm. The reason why is because many wanted to share what they have worked on. Mm. So it's less about their life, it's more what they have worked on. And this is very interesting. When, we, when you ask yourself, where would you place your own life book? Mm. You know, life book says a lot about your personal life. It's like, you know, you're telling everything from A to B. Mm. But what message is actually behind? Mm. That's actually also interesting to know. I don't think it would be about what I've done. I think the focus would be about life, mm -hmm. but uh, what I've done would be a support. Uh, you know, the supportive, the supportive ch chapters yeah. of who Tarek is. Right? Yeah. 
but it's certainly not what the book is about. I see. Because um, at the end, regardless of whatever I will do, there's certainly a lot of people who will do the same. Like I'm not, I'm not reinventing what entrepreneurship is. I'm not reinventing what investments are. I'm not reinventing what uh, a fitness trainer would do. Um, I'm just another number in a whole ocean of amazing people out there doing what exactly I'm doing. The difference is just how we execute and how we, our personalities, kind of get across yeah. to others. But it's certainly not. Um, it's certainly. I mean, even even if I ended up being an, uh, the Elon Musk of the Middle East, right? I would. I wouldn't certainly as well share that. Like, it would be a story of Tarek, the Elon Musk of the Middle East, and Tarek is not what he does. Tarek is a human being who did things, but there are there is reasons behind why he did these things. And these yeah. reasons behind are actually... And that's what I want to share. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you went for experiences with yeah. your... Um, yeah. So all the ventures you started, created, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, Let's say I found your book. I grabbed the book. What will I see on the book? What could be a book cover look like? Keep Harek's face. Keeping it PG rated. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book cover. Yeah. Uh, what? What? I would give me that attention. Like, this, yeah. this, uh, this is this is about Tarek. This is like the color tone. This is yeah. like. So see, for me, it it will definitely be playful. Um, so it's less serious and more on the play side, um, more on the fun side. Um, or at least this is what I wish for it to be. Um, and certainly its tone won't be serious. To tell you the truth, I don't, I don't understand why do we take life seriously. It's just a... I don't know. It's a, it's a fucked up life. And I, I don't understand why should we take it seriously. Because it's already fucked up. So, <laughs> so why, why do you want to make it worse by taking it? What do you mean by f- it? F. Up. I did it. this out. Do, do you need, do you need, to, do no, you need no, me to fine. edit? Um, what in particular? What do you say? Um, I mean, it's not... Are there specific see, areas where you say, okay, the, these are areas where won't be improve. Yeah, in I mean, our for me, um, just in I've, the surface. I've, in, yeah, in so the for me, I've always dreamt of uh, and did live for a while in utopia, or at least I lived in my mind in utopia, right? A place where uh, fairness takes place, a place where it's merit-based, a place where it's um, we live among each other with our differences, yet we do respect each other. We don't kill each other for it. A place where you can actually be safe to be, right? Regardless of your religion, uh, your color, your race, your sexual orientation, literally a place where nobody gives a fuck. And for me, 
that is not what this world is, at least for now. And and I used to, it used to actually drive me crazy. Like whenever I either um, kind of open my eyes for uh, to the news or uh, or kind of see how things are um, done around me, uh, if it was in at university, around, around the family, uh, at work, right? And I would see everything is actually total opposite to what I have, what I what my expectations of life are, yeah. right? So reality and expectations are like two different things. And I would say like, man, like this is not what life, for me at least, needs to be like. Yeah. And it used to drive me crazy. And um, until I've kind of realized, actually accepting life as it is, is funny. Like, <laughs> when you think about it, <laughs> when everything is the opposite way, yeah. it, it is funny. Like, it, why should I feel bad about it? Yeah. Um, you know, at least make fun. And I, I think it's just an unconscious way of me to cope with it being annoying. One way to cope is also just to let go, to accept you're not going to be able to change it. Yeah. Exactly. And just understand that everything you do is something which you are in control of. Yeah. At least that's why I cope with it. Because when I, when, I, when I just listen to your words right now, when I just l- turn on the news, literally 90% are negative news. But then how we perceive this information, yeah. are they super negative, are they whatever it is, it can control our life. Yeah. But it's come down to the point that, okay, whatever you will hear, does it affect you or not? Does affect affect your daily routine? I think this is also important yeah. to, to think. I of. mean, I think uh, when I got to accept it, it uh, it kind of made made me laugh more. Yeah. Um, there is something about it that makes me laugh. Right. I, I think it's the uh, sarcasm. It's yeah. the built-in sarcasm that life has. In order to survive, literally. <laughs> 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 that makes me laugh. And and I love being sarcastic. Like, this is this part of who I am, right? I mean, the, for one year, I know you, you're one of the most sarcastic personalities <laughs> 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 met so far. <laughs> but that's also, you know, your personality, which is yeah. great to work with because mm-hmm. you are not take everything very serious. You yeah. also have a joke. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly I take a lot of things in life series, either Mm -hmm. as family, uh, work, but it's, I take things serious, but in the same time, I don't lose sleep about it, right? So I would take a deadline series. I would take um, achieving a goal series. I would take finishing a race series. But, and I'll definitely work my butts off for it but if it didn't happen it's okay yeah you know? nothing really i'll make a laugh out of it I'll, yeah. I'll just make a joke about it and just go on as long as no one dies right <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> i think that's the key yeah exactly <laughs> it's like you what you said today you know i'm grateful that i'm alive and i yeah. think yeah, that's that's really it i mean i came up with that just because nowadays we take it for granted to be alive. Mm. Really, serious. We really take it for granted. We plan ahead for the next six months because we think we might be alive. 
mm. we really are that naive to think we might be alive. Mm. Which is not negative, you know, we should not be very negative. Oh my God, we might die like 99.9% yeah, yeah. yeah. we <laughs> might be survived, but this 0.0 zero zero is on the traffic, we might die. But again, we should be just be aware of it. Yes, I think that's, that's very thing. true. Very true. So, Tarek, I want to know a little bit more about who is that person behind? Who was little Tarek? What were the life experiences Tarek went through? And when I, let's say, have your book in front of me, later I'm going to dig deeper a little bit into what could be the book title look, uh, sound like. Uh, I open the book. I go to the table of content, and I see some chapters. What would be the first chapter be called? What is, it, what is the first chapter about? Um, it would be the birth of greatness. <laughs> <laughs> the birth. <laughs> this is when my narcissistic self will come. <laughs> so is it about the your... The birth of greatness. <laughs> and it will be... It will what, be what would it be about? So... Um, It'll be about how awesome I was as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, there is no talking, there is no nothing. It's just da, da, go, go, gaga, like words that comes out of the first chapter. <laughs> just to kind of get you, get you in the first three months or six months of uh, me being a baby. Where were you born? Um, you were born in... Uh, 22nd March, 1987. Very precise. I was thinking about location. <laughs> oh, location. <laughs> yeah. Abu Dhabi. Uh, in Abu Dhabi, yeah, yeah. So I was born in Abu Dhabi. My parents were. Uh, my my grandfather was here actually before the union. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is just for the listeners who are not aware of the United uh, Arab yeah. Emirates. Thank you. Uh, union early seventies. Yeah. And uh, and uh, my my father and um, mother kind of came in. Uh, early 80s and since then we've um, we've been living in Abu Dhabi they've been living in Abu Dhabi um, so, so I think yeah I think I think the first chapter would be you know me as a kid till probably I would say age of 10 or 12 and this is where you know all the and I still vividly remember little things that my brothers and I you know, used to do and where we lived, you know, the so different homes. Give us an example. So what are the <coughs> yeah. unique memories you had in that age, like um, growing up in Abu Dhabi? So, <laughs> so uh, man, so much, so much of difference that this country has gone through. Um, and we're talking about the, the 80s as well. Yeah, I mean, when you like think about Abu Dhabi, how much Abu Dhabi so yeah. different. Or Dubai even. And uh, in fact, there are like land, um, landscapes or, or, or uh, you know, statues and different things that were there that moved, but actually were like it demolished. And um, back then, You know, you would you'd, uh, have the <laughs> Abu Dhabi Corniche, right? And, uh, like, literally the Corniche along with a few parks where 
along with, uh, um, I don't know if you know about the tourist club. That was like the only sports creational slash getaway for families in Abu Dhabi back then. Until they kind of closed the entire thing late 90s, actually mid 90s, around mid 90s. And uh, because it was the only place, like literally, you know, Abu Dhabi, everybody in Abu Dhabi. Everyone was there. Like the, it was a very tight, small community of people. And um, and uh, back then, um, my family kind of got they befriended other families that had shared the same interests and values and shared, you know, the having kids and so on and so forth. Um, and they they were mostly Egyptian families. Um, and they would come kind of get together every week. Um, back then, the holidays were Thursday and Friday. So Saturday was a working Oh, week. really? Yes. Interesting. Um, when did that change, by the way? That was like uh, maybe it's changed in the 15, 15 years ago. Okay. Around 15 years ago, I believe. Yeah. And um, it was a big change. Like when they changed the holiday from th- Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday to Friday Saturday it was like whoa what happened there <laughs> and <laughs> and I remember they changed it because they were losing uh, the opportunity to be part of the global market yes because right? the global market stops or the stock markets close at Friday mm. Saturday yes um, and we were closing on Thursday so we were losing one day of trade right <laughs> 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 equal money. Yeah, equal money, right? So, money. <laughs> um, so they decided to change that. And um, so I remember these days. And then uh, what I remember was, um, so I'm, I'm the middle child. Yes. Um, uh, well, not technically, but um, I, had a, I had a sister that yes. I, didn't, I didn't see. So okay. we, we lost her when she was like around four. Uh, but I came after her, right? And I had an early uh, elder elder brother, uh, and I had uh, and I have a, a younger brother. Um, and uh, you can think of I was raised the right in between, right? I'm the middle one. So uh, <laughs> back then, um, it was like life is so simple in Abu Dhabi, so simple, so controlled, so everything. Like, it, you live in a bubble. Um, and uh, you do you do nothing but you go to school, um, you, you know, we, we were brought up to kind of love learning. We were brought up to kind of respect the amount of time and effort in working to get good grades and uh, my parents like made every effort to actually make sure that we kind of scale through uh, schooling and university were there any subjects at that time or even if you're like at that time were you were most interested in um, math, 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 math and physics. Math like, and physics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So math and physics were both uh, my like where my 
subjects that I, I love. In fact, I love them so much that I used to, I used to create <coughs> problems. And uh, whenever I go to the bathroom, right, and I sit for a, for a shit, I just, I just have a pen and a paper and, and I just go through problem. it, right? Yeah. Solve through it. And like this was, this was like uh, what I loved the most. The one subject that stayed, that I didn't necessarily, actually two subjects that I never got through my head were statistics and chemistry. Interesting. Do you know why? Because statistics are not actually far away from mathematics. Yeah, Formal but it's, <laughs> for some it's reason, it requires a, a different, I, I think it, it kind of triggers a different part of your brain because it certainly didn't trigger the part of the brain where it was good in maths. Um, I it doesn't think solve your, it, you, you don't need to solve a problem, literally, right? No, exactly. Statistics right? show you the facts. <laughs> exactly. That's maybe that's, that's a, <laughs> you don't like seeing facts, you like solving problems. <laughs> It's, it's just analyzing. It's a way of analyzing. And yeah. to tell you the truth, if there is anything that I would return back and kind of really dig deeper or, or even now, like spend more time on is understanding statistics. But there is no way on earth that I'll go back and study chemistry. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't want to get it. And uh, it's like done. Um, biology was, was interesting. And I think... Uh, it kind of was in our blood because my my father is a doctor, right? Um, my brother is a, is a dentist. We we kind of get it. There's <laughs> <laughs> no need like, for another. <laughs> it's fine. It's and it's interesting. And mm -hmm. I think there is one thing that I loved about personal training. I loved about rehab, is that it digs deep into how the whole body works, right? And it's fascinating, man. Like when you dig deep into how your body, all of this amazing uh, body of yours is working without you even not noticing, mm -hmm. right? It's so much of power, so much of potential that is within you that you don't know about. And right? barely so touch it, actually. Many yeah. people, 99% of the people don't even yeah, make most use of their potential. Exactly, yeah. and and uh, and uh, that's what kind of fascinates me in biology. But it was certainly math and physics. Like both of those subjects in school were like my favorite subjects. Um, I can't get a, I couldn't get enough of. Right? How do that your parents remember you, or your brother, um, as a funny child? No, I was I was actually uh, a cheerful, a cheerful child. Uh, I was always smiling. Um, Hasn't changed much, much um, <laughs> since that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it kind of changed in the middle, I think. I, I think now I'm not necessarily cheerful. I'm more sarcastic. I'm more I see what uh, you mean, playful, yeah. right? Okay. But it's not, you're not going to see me, for example, uh, opening the door at work in the morning with a big smile and say, oh, happy days, right? It's like, oh, what a beautiful day it is. No, you're not gonna get, <laughs> you're not gonna get that. Um, but you certainly get it when I was a child, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's... 
Where do you think this comes from? That that difference kind of from sarcastic behavior yeah. towards like this cheerful kind of It's just child. maturity, man. Maturity. Like I, I knowing facts which you didn't know before, right? Exactly. So yeah. I mean the the word maturity I think doesn't do it well. I think exactly what you said, you know, you you start being a lot more realistic or a lot more open to what life really is. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sucks in, takes in a lot of that natural energy that comes within you when you were little, right? Um, you know, you remember when you were a kid, you, there, there is nothing that you really need to take care of, right? Uh, you yes. play yeah. most of the time, right? Thanks God, we are all kind of, you know, in a position to to actually go out and play and study and so on and so forth. But but really, when you're a little kid, there is nothing that you need to worry about. You don't yeah. you. There is no worries, and because there is no worries, you, you get fascinated by the little things. Right? You get fascinated. Oh, what is this? A chair? <gasps> and I can sit on it. It's like, whoa, and it's like you, you're always mind blown, right? And I, I, I kind of love this, and I miss it. It's not like, and I wish, I wish we could do a lot more of this. It's just, look at the small things that we actually take for granted, yeah. and kind of see, oh, wow, man, wow, look at this chair. Like, oh, look at this design, or just go deep, deeper into what a chair is, right? Yeah. And and I think I think those who actually design great pro products or have built great products are people who have obsessed about the little things in the design, right? Yeah. Um, They still have this kind of child in them, you know. When yes. You, when you have this kind of you know eyes of a child, you're not questioning yourself: Do I need that object? No. What is it? How can I use it? How can I improve it? What can I make with it? Yeah. Whereas some other, they see that object and say, okay, do I need it now? Yes or no? You know, becoming more this kind of judgmental kind of person. Yes. Instead of this, oh, this is great. I can do something else with it. Exactly. And no, no, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, this kind of attitude as an adult. Yeah. Oh, this is how it's on a chair. You just sit down. You don't yeah. do anything else. Yeah. Don't jump on it. Don't do it. Just sit on it. Exactly. Whereas someone else who might have that kind of child eyes would say, oh, what else can I do with a chair? Yeah. I can maybe dance on it. Maybe yes. I can lie on it, whatever it is. Yes, yeah. yeah, very true. I, th I, think, uh, I think it's the, the what, what it is is that you don't have fear of yeah. experimentation. You don't have laws. You don't have limitations to what a chair can be. A chair can be an airplane if you want. Yeah. Right? It's just <laughs> everything comes down to your imagination. Exactly. Yeah. And that power of imagination, I think, because it dies with time and because we don't give it much love throughout our upbringing and throughout life, it kind of stops being there, right? And becomes harder for you to imagine. Like for you now to imagine things, you've you've got to go into a silent room and prepare everything and and kind of shut off all distractions and get post-its and different colors and look, so much work that needs to <laughs> <laughs> prepare you for you to be imaginative, right? Yeah. Which 
came so naturally when you were a kid. Sure. Like you never needed all of this shit. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And and like for me, I think it's certainly one thing that I miss uh, from my early childhood. Um, but uh, I was a cheerful, uh, cheerful boy. I was, uh, I was, um, and I was, and I think I've always been. But uh, certainly back then, I was a very dear friend, right? I'm not a guy who would create problems. Never went oh, into, okay. never went to. I wasn't, I wasn't a bully at school. Um, in fact, I would, I, I still remember when, if like I had a, had an argument with a best friend, I would actually go back to my mom and just cry, right? It's like, we had an argument and he's not talking to me anymore. And I'm not talking about me in like, let's say grade five. I was, I'm talking about me in like grade 10 and 11, mm. right? That's who I was, right? I was very... Uh, like I took friendship very seriously. Yes. If you're that close friend and you sleep over and I sleep over and yes. and uh, you know we we kind of we kind of share everything. Uh, we moved to schools together and so on. Then you know my expectations of you are quite high. Yes. And because they are. I mean, um, when we grow up, we usually have this one or two, you know, close friends. Yes. This close friend where you share everything. Yeah. And then after two, three years, you kind of, you know, growing apart. And then that one friend goes to another school. And yes. And then you realize, hang on a second, I'm getting older. I'm going to the teenage age. Yeah. And then things get different. You know, more friends coming. And then yeah. this kind of very close friendship might disappear. You know, this yes. very close sense, as you said, maybe this yeah. very close feeling of like, well, this is a very strong bond we have to someone as a friend. Yes. And I think 90% of the time it does disappear. Yeah. Um, I, I remember all my friends kind of moved to different cities. Uh, I stayed here. Um, some went to Egypt, some went to Europe, some went to US, some went to Canada. Are you still in touch with them? Um, only with a couple, I think. And they're like, we, we stay in touch around um, around big events, right? Yeah. Ramadan Kareem, Eid Mubarak, <laughs> that kind of that kind of yes. touch, right? Um, but certainly, I can't say I I've forgotten them. I still remember the great days. I still remember, you know, uh, great stuff that we used to do together. Uh, the laughs uh, we would improv left, right, and center, man. Like the, like we were a nerdy bunch. So at school, I was I was with nerds left always. And I was a nerd myself too. And uh, I remember we would, we would, uh, we won't attend, you know, classes that didn't make sense to us, like Arabic, interesting, and Islamic <laughs> studies, and social studies. Yeah. Like those classes didn't, like it didn't, it didn't click. We were, we were engineers, right? Yes. Maths and physics and yes. Um, so you did mechanics. visit them on purpose? Just yeah, so just we did, yeah, just for the sake of it. Like it didn't make any sense for us to spend, to spend an hour in, <laughs> in, um, <laughs> in classrooms that would, you know, certainly, uh, so we actually ditched them to play cards. Like okay. we didn't ditch them to do maths. Yeah. But 
So I can't say that we utilize that time uh, in a better way, <laughs> but it's certainly more fun. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Um, so <laughs> we would ditch classes to play cards. And I remember, man, these, uh, we, so in, in our school, there were like few classrooms that we know were empty at these times, right? So we would go into one of these classrooms, get the tables together, get the deck of cards out there. And uh, we would keep score, right? Bring a pencil and a sheet of paper and, and let's just go. It was like, I'm not sure if you know estimation and Tarnib and all of these, all of these card games. Um, certainly it wasn't poker. Uh, but it, it's it's more on the it's more on the kind of it's more strategy teamwork and and yeah. it was so much fun we would we would laugh we would laugh our asses out. The only when I remember and I look back, the only cards I played at that time was racing cards, like car, car, cards. Car, oh, cards, yeah, yeah, cards yeah. you know. That, yeah, yeah, these yeah, are the yeah. only cards <laughs> I played with actually. <laughs> <laughs> you got a faster car you have a whatever faster yeah, speed I remember those and also ones. some um, Pokemons uh, no they, that they, was they, be, be after my time after, yeah. after <laughs> I was like so not a Pokemon fan at all it's like it's just beyond my imagination mm. um, but yeah so when you you mentioned about this till age 12 10, yes. 12 yeah. would you say this chapter this you mentioned you mentioned about birth of greatness mm. <laughs> did you is see this? did you hear any greatness in what i said <laughs> my question what is the greatness <laughs> um do you see this title the birth of greatness do you see that as covering the whole 10 years 12 years when I see, when I look at the table of content, I say, okay, this is the first chapter. Is that first chapter till age 10, 12? I, I think so. Like, I, thi I think, you know, after a certain age, I think after maybe 12 or so, so much change happens in you that is not necessarily a factor of your parents. It's more of external changes right external influences if if that's the right word for it um so your peers your your school the internet right they all kind of shift you even if your parents do end up a lot of putting a lot of effort in it um it, it, you get exposed yeah, to you so get many exposed. more different kind of it's stimulus, right? Yeah, stimulus. From people, objects, locations, opinions, exactly. news, media, etc. But until yeah. maybe 12, I think you're still kind of under a lot of supervision, right? And uh, under a lot of kind of parental influence. You do what they do over the weekend. You, you know, you, you, uh, you spend most of your time at home. Um, it, there is rarely a lot of you time in that sense, right? Mm. You and friends time. The only time you'll see your friends are in the weekend and under our supervision type of thing. Yes. Right? yes or in the yes, tourist yes. club in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> Far away from the parents. Yeah, so I think, I think because of that, um, and I believe this, this is nowadays, it's not necessarily 12. I think it's, uh, it could be potentially a lot lower now. Much, much lower. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll see some. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but during that 
duration, I think this is where you get shaped, right? The values, what is right, what is wrong, um, what is allowed, um, what, what, is, what are the risks that you could potentially take, right? Um, What's there any, like, you know, even around this 10, 11, 12 years, mm. you know, end of this maybe chapter, have you ever thought of becoming someone? Do you, did you have a dream of, like, I want to become, let's say, a doctor, like your dad was, or do you always have this wish, I knew it from age, I don't know, 10, I always wanted to become someone? Yeah, I mean, profession. I, I still remember that I was... Uh, at that I, age. I was, yeah, I was. I always wanted to be my dad at this stage. I actually, I still remember when I was around the same, around that age. I actually wanted to be like him even physically. So I would, I would, I would literally, I, w I wanted to be uh, his size, right? Interesting. And, uh, and uh, kind of do what he does and... So you saw your dad as a role model, literally. and he still is. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. So in so. life, m my dad is definitely a role model. Yeah. Like he is my role model. And when I look back now and seeing you at the age twelve, mm -hmm. what, because you mentioned age 10, 11, 12 as kind of a transition, and be more exposed to other external uh, triggers. What has changed at that time for you? Was there like because the parents gave you more freedom to explore? You in school you were more uh, you started to open a bigger kind of friendship circle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What has changed during that time? Um, yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, so at at age twelve, um, I think I was in maybe grade eight. Was it? I graduated at 16, so actually I was even less, maybe grade 7. And um, I'd even, even push this a little bit more and say maybe until I was 15. Mm -hmm. And until 15, I would say th this is all a chapter. And I think that what, what kind of changed... What, what was the trigger of the next chapter was exposure, but it's certainly not necessarily, not necessarily exposure to new people at school or new students, because I, I kind of moved twice or three times in my schooling, between schools. Um, it was less that, but I think it was more exposure through internet. That was a time for you where you explored the internet. Yeah. I think this is where, this is where, obviously the internet was there ages ago, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I remember, oh man, lovely days. Uh, I remember, so. Which year, by the way, talk, are we talking about? Are we talking about around 2000s? Or 2000? in the end, end 90s? No, end of. Must be in the 90s then. Yeah, I think it would be. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, so when you talk we're about 2018 now, right? 2018. Yeah. So let's say um, 2010, 2007, 2000. Yeah, early, early 2000, uh, 2000, around 2000. 2000. Yeah. 
But this was still the time where there is the modem and the internet. Yeah, yeah, and cheer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows this song. Because <laughs> I remember the, the internet and the computer <laughs> went, uh, you know, came to our home in, in 1995. I still That's remember. very early, actually. Yeah, yeah, we were early adopters of technology. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember, I, I remember 1995 because computer and internet in home was a thing. Like you cannot forget when the computer came into your home. Yeah, it's right. It it is it is a life changing, <laughs> a life changing event, and um, I remember because um, back then it was like Windows one point one or one point two something along those lines, and they came on discs. Yeah, and uh, floppy disks. Floppy disks, yeah, right? Well, yeah. And <laughs> they would come in like 30, 40 disks, and you had to kind of put them all through. And it was like a mundane task that had you had to go through for a couple of hours just to download Windows. Yeah. Uh, and the Internet Explorer was, you know, it's like, whoa, like now I access the entire world. But even before the Internet Explorer was the Netscape. Netscape, Netscape. exactly, man. Yes, it was Netscape. You you remember that um, movie, Sandra Bullock, Uh, The Net, and she. This was one. uh, This was one of the um, early Sandra Bullock movies that made her famous, and it was all about Netscape. Really, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and it it was like Netscape was still there, and and she was uh, putting a virus on a floppy disk. Oh man, like this, this, this movie was like. Ah yes, uh, remember now. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, uh, it's certainly a movie to uh, that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But how did it change you? Let's say that was a time where you got the you know PC at home. Yes. Access to a worldwide web. Even at that time, it's already, you know, you kind of have outreach to other areas in the world, yeah. other information. How much did that change you at that time? You were 12, 13, 14. I think the internet, the internet gives you that, um, the possibility, right? It, it, um, it kind of... Does it give you the possibility or does it just and pretend f- or you know that it you gives feel you the po- that have you have that yeah so it gives you freedom yeah. it gives you possibility it gives you um uh like b- back then gaming on pc was uh, like a, a, a thing of course yeah uh back then it was aladdin was there as a game Doom, which was like all about predators and uh, guns and so on, and um, and FIFA. I don't know what, God's sake, FIFA like ninety five or ninety six. <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally graphics were not graphics, right? Um, and and back then, I think this all kind of gave you that sense of power and. Uh, that you know you could potentially harness this power and do things or explore things back then there is little to zero thoughts on privacy little to zero thoughts on anything right 
You just course, yeah. you just live. You just you see more the opportunity than the risks. Actually, exactly. You yeah. see more opportunity than the risks, right? And uh, and at around that era, you had MSN Messenger. ICQ as well. Uh, ICQ, right? And Yahoo Messenger. Yes. All of these were out there where you started chatting with people, random people, right? In groups and and like groups were open. Like there were groups, literally 18 plus groups out there. Um, and it was it was it was a chat group away, right? Um, so it was very different, right? And 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 I remember, like, you had to make sure that nobody uses the phone line for you to use the internet. Yeah, right? parallel, yes, that's true. <laughs> and it's like, it, it, if somebody uses the phone, it cuts, and oh, I was chatting with my friends. Yeah. And, um, but these are the problems, for example, that nowadays, the generation today, cannot yeah, yeah. even imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, even if we're talking about the same kind of medium, internet, mm-hmm. how to access that medium yeah. was different yeah very as true well. when you look back at that time would you say you were a techie um not necessarily a techie but i'll tell you one thing that i loved around that age i loved puzzles and i loved lego lego was something that was out there uh by that time they had very interesting models that you know used to come out now they're like so advanced and you can build an entire robot, an entire city with Legos. But uh, back then it was like simple Legos to put together and, and cubes and I loved it. Like I, I remember my, my parents would buy so much Legos, so much puzzles because I would, I would finish them really quickly. And I'm, I, used, I still remember, you know, I used to um, sit on the toy until it's finished. Like, I don't stop. It's, if I opened it, it needs to be done, right? And that was me, you know? Um, I couldn't, I couldn't kind of just... Which is great for your parents. So they had you, you know, <laughs> they kept you busy for a while. <laughs> when we buy this, we know he's gone for a couple of hours. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, um, and I think also... I mean, a bit older, but now now I'm going to maybe 15 mm. plus. But that's, that, that's a different chapter. Uh, Just before you start, like yeah. t- till 15, you said from, let's say, 12 to 15, this yeah. three years. How would you call this chapter? How would you summarize that? When I look into the table of content, what is that being called? Um, what would that be called? That could potentially be called. Wait, it's I'll hard. Tell you. This, you know, it's yeah, interesting it's, that it's it, because it's hard to summarize sometimes. You know, you need to summarize several years. Yeah. In few words or in one word. Um. Uh, I think it would be. Because at that time you explored more and more the internet. You exposed to different, different schools, mediums. Different you moved. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a transition as well for, for you. 
because you kind of summarized that to, or you limited to three years. Mm. Um, it would be, I'll tell you, because I, I love my title stick. Innocence going rogue. <laughs> My book is going to definitely sell. <laughs> Innocent. Going wrong. Going wrong. <laughs> no, not wrong. Rogue. Rock? Rogue. Rock. Rogue. Yes. Understood so wrong. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh, kind of wild. Innocence going wild. So that kind of is the beginning of the of the next chapter. 15 yes, plus. exactly. So yeah. end stage of the teenager age. Yeah, I'm not 16, sure if it's 17. 15 or 18 plus. <laughs> <laughs> plus minus. <laughs> no, I mean like the content. <laughs> it's a transition period. It's a transition period, mm -hmm. exactly. So what has changed around the time then, 15 to 16? I mean, this is a proper like teenage age, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. been exposed to girls, you know, et cetera, man. et cetera. <laughs> So walk me through how was Tarek at that time, so end stage of the teenage um, age. What about school? How was so? Uh, walk me through it so around, was it fifteen? Yes, fifteen. So uh, when I was fifteen years old, I was around grade nine, and this is where. Uh, so I was studying in the in a British uh, system. Uh, mm -hmm. So I did my IGCSEs, um, and uh, at grade nine, you would you would do the O levels. Uh, and then the A levels, A AS levels, and the A levels, and so on and so forth until you're done from school, right? Uh, and Egyptians usually did it uh, when they were grade nine because um, you back then they, it it was allowed for you to start your IGs at grade nine because you would finish at grade eleven, and then um, if you were to go into a school in Egypt, for example, you could actually go and attend university there. Whatever it is that was there, you know, I just had to do my IGs at grade nine. And I think there are a lot of people around me that did the same as well. Um, and I think this is where um, studying kind of took a, a whole new dimension. In particular, what subject were you more interested in at that time? Did it shift a little bit from mathematics to another subject? No, I think I think it was it actually got a, a, a lot fonder on mathematics and uh, physics. Um, I remember until grade nine we were we were uh, we were taught French, but it's certainly a language that never never stuck into my mind. Like literally, I don't know any any phrase. Well, except the. Uh, easy ones. Merci beaucoup and uh, s'il te plaît and je m'appelle <laughs> and tout appelle. Uh, it's, it's a language which is, in fact, it's actually a different language. Then you write it, you know, you pronounce it in a different way than yeah. you write it. Maybe that's the, the difficulty. No, not necessarily. It was the teacher. I still remember uh, okay. uh, the teacher. She she hasn't necessarily made it a fun subject. Um, <laughs> I remember like there are days where I would uh, she would she would let us go um, to kind of, you know, recite something that we, a di dialogue that she wanted us to memorize. And uh, like, I, I don't memorize, like I don't have that capability to memorize something that I don't understand. And <laughs> certainly it's pointless to 
learn a dialogue <laughs> between Peter and James, right? <laughs> it's like two, it's to those two guys had a dialogue. What, what the fuck do I need to memorize that for, right? And uh, even dialogues are more difficult to memorize anyway. Yeah, exactly. You don't know the context behind it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Even if there is context, it's just useless. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyhow, it was her own way, uh, bless her. Uh, it just didn't work with me, right? And uh, it certainly uh, didn't... Um, it, it was one subject that I certainly didn't get in school. Uh, but it's definitely in IG, physics, math is what I would score really high in. Um, and like I, I kind of loved studying. Um, um, the 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 subject that got introduced a bit later was accounting and um i actually loved accounting and um yeah i i still remember like i i, I loved i loved making the the tea uh the T-shaped ledgers and mm -hmm. you know what debtors and creditors are and you know, all the different scenarios. I actually liked it at that time. End of the teens, um, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Let's say around this time, or even eighteen plus. Did you have the feeling that you were more and more interested in building your own kind of venture startup? Was was a this kind mm. of sense where you said, no, not at all. I don't like to follow specific systems. I like to create my own kind of stuff. You know, I like to create my own club, let's say, my own whatever it is, you know. Creating your own stuff, did you have this sense? Creating my own stuff, yes, but it certainly wasn't in the business context. Okay. I loved it. I loved creating. And I, uh, and you can see that in during that age, uh, um, I had... My friends and I were, were the same, so we, we stayed together. Mm -hmm. And uh, during those three years prior to graduating from high school, we all had one thing that we loved to do, besides sports, and that was filmmaking. Interesting. Okay. And um, and uh, what kind of movies? Rubbish movies. Man. Rubbish like, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, it was like scripted on the day. Um, we would, we would, um, oh man, beautiful days. You know, back then, Windows had uh, the movie maker. I, yeah, I know. I grew up with Windows 95. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. there was movie maker, sure. and they kind of allowed you to do you know bits and pieces. And so I was, I had that skill to play around with software and, and kind of know how to do it and so on and so i would do the movie making and uh and uh we would be like around maybe four or five different lads uh, getting together uh with with a little script and we would either do commercials right or we would do like a like a movie a short movie and we would film it like and we're filming with only one camera like it's not uh, nothing so fancy, and, uh, and there were like two things where you know this you know that these guys will be engineers, because we want it. You know the camera; it's not stable. You know, like you're walking with it, so you can see that 
know, the cameras walk, the shaking, right? Yeah. The shaking and the, like cameras back then wasn't wasn't what what it is right now, right? And uh, I remember we had a trolley. We had a trolley at home, the one that is foldable, right? And mm-hmm. it's foldable, yeah. Yeah. and then you can put like heavy things on it and just to move it. So uh, so we decided, oh, why don't we move it? Why do we, you know, put a chair on a trolley and whoever holds the camera stays on the trolley, right? And somebody pushes the <laughs> trolley. And it was like, this is the early inventions <laughs> of a trolley system, right? And, uh, and we loved it. Like, we literally used the trolley for a lot of the So you uh, So you used moves. different objects for different purposes, literally. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. You, you combined them, actually. Exactly. That's interesting. And, and the fact that we created a script and mm-hmm. we created a, you know, we acted. Um, I, was, uh, I, was, I was in the acting uh, club at, uh, when I was in grade nine. So we acted uh, different, uh, different films. And I loved it. And in fact, that's why I was saying earlier uh, in this uh, interview, right, that I would love to venture out on acting, directing, yeah. right? I, the filmmaking in general is so much fun, or at least what it is, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's not, uh, maybe not from the business aspect, but uh, certainly from the acting part, uh, potentially could be something that I would love to do. And yeah. maybe more on the improv side. Yeah. Did that go towards the teens, at, um, the early 20s? Yes, but it was... Well, uh, the interest of like this kind of filmmaking. Exactly, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily filmmaking in the sense. It was more of me doing my own films. Um, um, again, it wasn't... It was, so I remember, um, I think it was 2020 or 21. And my uh, brother got it, uh, got uh, engaged, and uh, um, part of like my gift was to put his pictures along with um, you know his his wife and kind of put them in a in a in a slideshow, create a you know create a movie around it, and uh, you know with a soundtrack and and I would spend. A lot of time, you know, perfecting the right moment for a transition and the and the right beat, and I would like this was a thing that I loved doing, and I still do love doing. Um, I mean, that's literally what I do with Detox Tuesdays, right? Yes. Um, again, spend so much time in editing and trying to kind of make it a lot better. And you create content. You create stories. Yes. Exactly. You tell a story. Exactly. And and I think, I think I think that started when I was around 15. Yeah. At that time, did you had the Im- intention to to study acting? Or did you have no. the intention that time? No, not at all. I think I think back then there was no intention to anything. I would still uh, be studying the same uh, subjects. Um, I I don't think I started thinking about what I want to study further down the line until maybe grade eleven. So what did you what did you then what did change at that time then grade eleven? Um, I think it's just the 
the fact that next year you'll go into university, that kind of yeah. w- walk walk you up, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's I have like, to decide oh, now. Now I need to decide. <laughs> so what did you what did you decide just to, to, to study then? Um, um, so I remember, I remember uh, last year I was I was contemplating: is it medicine or engineering that I want to do? And to tell you the truth, um, like looking back, you you're brought up in a society where traditional traditional work is what is highlighted is what you see yes you see uh lawyers engineers uh doctors you know what but also jobs which great handcrafted you know items as well objects something handmade yeah but they were looked down upon right It's not. It's not. It's not like you're not gonna go to your dad and say, oh, "I want to be yeah. a, a, a craftsman." Yes, a craftsman, yes, yes. right? And uh, he's gonna let you. Uh, what fuck you? Positions. Future. More positions <laughs> where you have a status in the society. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. That, like being seen that's a status. What yeah. I what I what I think I'm saying is that the perception of these jobs yes. were not necessarily looked upon uh, well. Not not that I agree upon this, but at least this is this is it, right? Was that important for you? I mean, for you personally, let's say, put the society aside. Was mm. that at that time, even at that no. age, important? What the society wants you no, to I do? No, I certainly didn't uh, didn't see it important then. Okay. Um, but I, I but at the end, you kind of one of the things that. Um, you know, I remember we've been asked for is, wh- what do you think you could potentially do with this job, right? Um, will it pay you off, right? There were certain jobs that weren't paying off anyhow, so why go and study them? You know, that's that was the mentality, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, engineers do get paid well, so let's do engineering. So it comes all down to the payment in the end of the day. Um, and maybe the future kind of... Pr- yeah, the future. The, yeah. Exactly. I th- I think it was a combination of everything. Yeah. Is okay. What you love? Because my dad was big on what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like he certainly made sure that we don't. He didn't force us to go into any college, any university whatsoever, or a degree. Right. Whatever you fancy. But the problem is, you also didn't necessarily get exposed to different things, either in school or outside. So you, because you're limited with what you got exposed to, at the end, you'll choose one of the things that you already know of, right? Correct, that's true. And, yeah. and I, I remember, like, it wasn't... The one thing that kind of took me away from medicine was um, there was a very long career path, and I, I saw that in my dad. Even my dad told us, right? you need at least 10 years for you to become a doctor and then mm-hmm. another maybe 20 years for you to become a specialist mm-hmm. and then after that another 20 years for you to become whoever it is <laughs> it's a very long career path yes. very much you know very dedicated very commit so much commitment and dedication and i think that didn't necessarily sit well with who i became right mm-hmm. Um, I loved creating. Yeah. I loved math and physics, 
So what came my, in my mind was, you know, I want to create my own inventions, right? And uh, what is the best, better place than engineering school? That was, that was literally it. But then I remember was, um, the problem was, is it mechanical or electrical engineering? Because definitely it's not chemistry. So, <laughs> <laughs> and certainly it's not petroleum and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, and it's certainly not geology. Yes. So I had geology, petroleum, electrical, mechanical, um, and uh, different ones, but... Um, so I, I, I just took a leap of faith okay. and I said electrical engineering. Looking back, do you, would you do, do it again? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So how was, how were the first three years after you made the decision and you went through it? So, um, are you a person who says, okay, I make a decision and I stick to it and I go for it and I going to enjoy it as much as I can? Or did you have questions a few years? Um, no, so I'm, a per I'm the first type. Uh, I take a decision, and even if it turned out to be uh, bad, I would still continue. Unless it is really, really, really bad, then it's stupid to continue anyhow. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, uh, but certainly I would give it, I would give it its chance. That's, yes. that's what I usually do. Um, And uh, how was how were the first few years? Then I'll tell you this. I, actually, it's, it's more semesters, because I remember <laughs> the first semester was rubbish, man. I was uh, I yeah I went to American University of Georgia, and it's a great school. I remember, man. My dad like paid ten times what any other school would, you know would uh, be for, but it was one of the top schools, and. And like the first few weeks in engineering school was, I, I didn't love it. I didn't, I didn't, it's not the subjects, it's not the place, it was the professors. And I didn't click with the professors. Like I didn't, I didn't enjoy how we were taught. I mean, I'm talking about things now that most like what, I would say definitely around uh, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So things might have changed now, but uh, back then... Uh, but still, it always comes down to the teacher. Yeah, or yeah, the professor, exactly. you know, They actually create this kind of environment where you feel comfortable going there. Yeah, totally, man. Like I, I... Despite of the topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't like it. I didn't like... You know what I didn't like? I, I didn't like the gap in value. You know, value is your, what you pay for and what you're getting, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I felt we were paying more than what we're getting. <laughs> so when we talk about the business terms, the return of investment was very low. <laughs> And uh, and remember, like I'm a ge I'm I'm a nerd. Yes. I'm a nerd person, and mm. I and uh, I remember I ha I jumped uh, I jumped several courses in freshman one, and when I started my first semester in university, I actually took courses from freshman two. And uh, it's just the how the professors kind of put effort in. 
along with how they speak, along with the values they stand for, along with uh, many things. Many things just made my first semester uh, terrible. And I think as well, uh, the school that we were in before going to university, I had some of the best teachers out there, literally. How and would you characterize uh, this teacher? You know, the ones that I had in school yeah. had the ability to simplify a complex thing and get you to understand it but also they would inspire you or challenge you with more uh, problems, right? Uh, it would, they, would, they, would, they would challenge you to new things. They kind of always pushed you to harder, harder problems. You know, oh, you got this one? Well, check this out, right? Yeah. And so there's never like a finish. No, you no. Finish and that? it was Great. fun. Next it challenge. Was fun. Yeah, exactly. more difficult challenge. And it's and uh, and in the same time, their ability to get you to learn things in a very simple way, and on top of all of that, they were friends. They were not. They were not your teacher where you cannot have a joke with, right? You know that serious teacher when I'm mm -hmm. in, you've got to stand up, say good morning, sit down, la la la. The bullshit. No, they were not. They were friends. They mm. were they were big brothers. They were your they cared, right? And um and I still remember their names. Like this is how much of an impact these guys have left and by the way these guys are still there they're still there mm. you know and um and for me like That's this amazing. this is like for me this is mind-blowing because for you to stay in one career for like 30 40 years of your life for me that's like <laughs> sentencing <laughs> me to death um um but it's it's you know it's Admirable as well. It is. see that you can stick as long as, you know, even, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years yeah, sometimes yeah. in one career path. And I think what happened in the first semester was me going from these teachers to these professors. Yeah. And, and the gap that I saw in how much commitment yeah. and how much love and how much more professional... These school teachers were than my professors. Um, Talking about this actually remind me of something. You know, this uh, teachers or professors who stayed at their career for like 30, 40 years. I remember well, and that when you just talked, one <laughs> thought I came to my mind was about the English teacher from my mom. It was the same English teacher I had. <laughs> no, <laughs> no joke. <laughs> and the funny part is the bad memories she had were kind of the bad memories I have so far. <laughs> so that the characteristic hasn't changed much. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. So it's, 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 if it's, uh, what I want to say is like if that professor, <laughs> professor has a good impression to someone, yeah. he will keep that attitude. Yes. He will keep that kind of, you know, spirit energy in yes. the same room. Yes, exactly. Regardless of how long you will work in the same environment. Yeah. And, um, yeah. 
Yeah, interesting, man. And I, I think, I think in the first semester, because I, I, the, the, I only stayed in the AUS for a semester. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, days where I would uh, finish, uh, you know, from classes, and I would go to my dorms, and I was like, dreading every single minute. And I would call my father. I just remember these calls, man. I still remember them. And I would call my father and say, man, I'm like, I'm not happy here. Yeah. And um, what did where did you go? Yeah. Go so um, so he had an he got me an opportunity bus and then a university called the Petroleum Institute, and it was just opened like literally maybe like a year maximum maximum a year. And um, he said, well, there is this opportunity for you to kind of go into the Petroleum Institute. And I was thinking, Petroleum Institute? Like it even doesn't say university in it. Yeah. Like it it's sounds... It's institute. Yeah. It's <laughs> like it's, it sounds like a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Dad, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> and... Um, And he said, yeah, you're foolish. It's, it, it is a university, but it's a it's an engineering college. It's yeah. very focused. Yeah. Um, it was run by the Colorado School of Mines. And uh, it was ad hoc's way of creating talent um, that they can just source from, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, yeah, and... I, I got in, into it, and I started freshman two there, right? Um, How many years you stayed there? Three oh. and a half. So engineering three school was four years. I did a half in AUS and gotcha. the other three and a half in PI. And um, that was a different school. Yeah. V very different. AUS is your, you know, your playground. It's mixed gender. It's, you know, you've... It's it's massive campus everything right and yeah. in the PI, it was still starting right. It was segregated. There actually there was no women. Yet when I entered, mm -hmm. like there was no women college. It was just boys. And uh, and there were like two buildings back then. Now it's a massive campus, massive, but the facility. The, the labs, the engineering yeah. labs that we had, were one of the top engineering labs in the Middle East. Like the amount of money that was spent building labs and building mm. and actually bringing in professors from Colorado School of Mines was Because it's also centralized, and as you mentioned, like these two buildings, it's all centralized. It's like yeah, you know, exactly. You got. Nice overview of where are these things. Yeah, you can invest a lot yeah. in this few and, few and the thing students. is, uh, because it was like it was run by Colorado School of Mines for the first ten years. Amazing professors, like man, I cannot. I still remember the quality of classes that we forget the real estate. Like yeah. fuck the real estate. No, yeah. It's nothing, man. But when the professor stood. When, when you would go through the material, the amount of aha moments that you go through is incredible. It's a very large, steep um, learning curve that you're going through, right? Yeah. But I think it comes all down to the specialization. 
that was so much more specialized, right? The school and the knowledge, the depth of knowledge. Yes, because it's always an engineering school. Exactly. Um, uh, electrical engineering had their uh, their like their department, yeah. um, and the professors that we had were excellent, yeah. excellent quality. So when you, I want to l- look back a little bit and want to see what how can we summarize this. So you mentioned about the chapter chapter three starts from age fifteen, roughly around. How far goes this chapter? Does it cover the whole university? No, so 15 till, uh, or 16, 16 till 20 is university. You know. um, so till university literally is that yeah. chapter three. So yeah. before the university starts, before you went to the US, um, how would you call that chapter? The chapter prior to going to university? Uh, yeah, prior, 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 yes. Oh, so For 15, s- from 15? So the one that we said, the innocence going rogue, that was... Correct. Till 15. Till 15. 16, yes. So from... Oh, till 16. And then from age. 16 to 20... How would you summarize that time? That time was all, was all about filmmaking, storytelling. Um, see, in those four years, literally, I did... I had zero social life. Zero uh, social. Life. We call it zero social life. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna call that. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a very good title. Really? Zero social life. How come? Study, uh, study, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the study bitch. <laughs> you can call it this way. <laughs> zero social life. The study bitch. How would you call the university times? How because you, you had two different, you had you were exposed in two different kind mm. of locations, mm-hmm. um, the state, the more specific one. How would you summarize that? Because I, when I just listen to your words, it all comes down to the teacher, professor. It was it certainly the, the quality of the. I, I, there is nothing <laughs> worse for a nerd, but being taught by a foolish professor. Like <laughs> the, you, you don't want that. It's not just a professor, a foolish yeah. anyone. Like yeah. you, you would want to learn from whoever is teaching you, right? There are others that have that capability of, you know, oh, okay, let's, oh, I haven't necessarily learned anything, but thanks for the, you know, no, I don't have that. Like, if I'm not gonna learn anything from you, just fuck off. <laughs> like, don't waste my time. And um, and and. It's, it's actually funny that you're saying this because it was a combination of professors, it was a combination of um, labs, but this is where I got introduced to my entrepreneurial self. Interesting. Which actually kind of covered like following years, right? Yes. This whole kind of entrepreneurship kind of mindset, creating something. Yes, because the creation part is something commercializing is different i see yes right yeah you would create a robot oh great oh lights are blinking la 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 but then what's the use right yeah um and uh, and i think commercializing came in so naturally to me in fact i remember uh our lab uh, technician bless him uh, and i had uh, several professors who said that to me because i i used to I created a back uh, early days of university. 
they haven't had invested in a machine that creates printed circuit boards. Yeah. So for us to create printed circuit boards, you know, back then they would like, uh, there was like an uh, automatic uh, itching equipment and you know, they would laser off everything, put the, the mm-hmm. you know, the entire components and get it out for you ready, right? We haven't had, we didn't have that um, purchased. And it was part of the purchasing cycle and ad knock and then, you know, it would take time. So until that time came, I literally built um, a printed circuit board um, uh, printer, if that's if that's the word for it. Um, and it was it, it 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 was so simple, you know. It was all chemical reactions along with uh, exposure to black light, and you 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 put all of this into uh, once the printed circuit board is 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 etched, you kind of put it in etching chemicals, and it would it would etch all the parts that didn't kind of get light on it, right, or got light on it, and you would end up with copper tracks that only are what is needed, right? Yeah. And then you go into drilling the holes and then soldering all the electrical components. And for me, the entire process, like there, literally everybody in university was kind of finding ways of actually doing this. Yeah. And it just happened that I, I, was in, I was obsessed with the process, that I figured it out earlier than anyone. And... Um, and I started, you know, and I built that box, and uh, everybody wanted to jump in. Like we, we, you know, projects needed to be done. Now professors have the ability to do it. Now we know the, you know, we know the, uh, we know the way now. And um, and uh, I remember that, you know, everybody wanted a piece of this. So I said, well, you know what? I love this so much. Don't worry about it. Just give me your circuits, the design, right? Mm-hmm. And give it to me. I'll do the board. I will itch. I will, you know, d- solder, drill, everything. I invested in a drill at home, and a solder iron. And the entire process for me was amazing. I loved it, right? And it, in fact, I added my own things on it, right? How you, you actually get an entire PCB with things written on it and signed and and your name and the date and literally customizing it customizing it right and I felt like all of this was like done in a very short period of time so I decided you know what it's okay you can pay me and I'll do it for you what's the beginning and that was it (laughs) because I was literally doing anything between 10 to 15k a month. We're talking and about Durham. Durham's, Durham's yeah. yeah. So we're talking about... That's what we what we're impressive. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one, no. <laughs> From just doing PC fixes. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And, um, and I remember, uh, bless him, our dean of engineering, he... Um, so he got to know that I was charging students. Yeah. And I was doing tutoring on the side as well, which kind of got me paid, but nothing compared to what I was doing. And uh, so the dinner is during calls me in and says, uh, you know, I heard that you're letting 
students pay for, like PCB or whatever it is. So yeah. So why? So what do you mean? Like that's my, like that's what I worked for and that's what I done. Why should I give it for free? Yeah, it's your time and after all. Yeah, it's like that's yeah. that's my like my work. And then he said, well, okay, it's fine. I'll buy it from you. <laughs> and I said, well, that's that's good. Yeah, I don't mind that. And obviously, we're in engineering school, so I, pu- I pulled the calculator out and I said. So he said, well, what are you doing? And I said, I'm calculating how much I'm going to sell this for you. So, okay. And he didn't expect like it would be <laughs> that uh, formal. <laughs> so I said, well, this is how much I make per month. I still got two years to go. <laughs> Put a couple of interest, 8% interest. <laughs> a year you started literally negotiation already. <laughs> and I remember, man, like literally it was, it went up, it was like around 50, 60,000 dirhams um, to buy a stupid wooden box and a few chemicals and a drilling and a sword but I wasn't. I wasn't charging for the equipment. I was charging for the service. For the service, yeah. <laughs> right. And then, and uh, I said, "Well, that's that's how much you pay for." It. And I said, he he went, um, "No, like, go get them from the students. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way we're paying you this much." And I said, "Okay, then let let it be." Yeah. And he was a great friend of mine. Yeah. I I yeah. still remember his classes. He taught me power engineering. And one of the things that I never. Um, never understood. Um, so, Tarek, I want to walk a little bit further ahead the next couple of years afterwards. Yeah. And that was all the time for you were... I mean, you worked at, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ethnoc? Yes. In Ethnoc, but also you started slowly into building your own ventures. And I came across one statement, and you said once, we are a firm believer that businesses do not succeed, people do. How important at, at, at that stage when you started to build your own ventures in your early 20s, mid-20s, yeah. was that statement? Um, when so you started to build your own ventures, you know, it was, you, it was around startup, 20, how important uh, was the team 20, around? 25, I think. It was uh, around 24. Um, and this is actually when it was introduced. So... Um, I had a mentor, so after Adnoc, I joined Fitness First. Yeah. And I had a mentor who got me, who introduced me to that statement. And, um, and he, he's the really first one to teach me all about business and managing people. And he would continuously say that at work. And it's something that I kind of stuck with me till then, right? Till now. Is um, and it's so true because it brings back the focus that business without people is nothing. It is people that drives it. Mm-hmm. And even if you have a shitty product, but you've got the right minds on board, they will sell it. Um, not saying that you need a shitty product, but the right people can actually do wonders. And since then, um, I kind of made sure that I focus on people first. I focus on 
getting the right talent on board. I focus on putting in the, the time and the effort to train them and the time and the effort to make them feel belonged. Was that from the very beginning or did you have to learn that venture by venture? Because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you created three so far? Yeah, so I created three um, businesses and yeah. then how was that? That was after Fitness First. After yeah. Fitness First. So how was that time, let's say, when you started the first one? Was it more goal-oriented? Was it more like... No, the first one was stupid. Like, um, I certainly have learned a lot about business by doing. Because um, I learned, I went into, uh, I've learned um, a lot more in my MBA mm -hmm. um, from mm -hmm. when I was uh, at Fitness First. But certainly you get to be taught a lot more by doing, right? Um, I think that's in so many other areas as well, not just entrepreneurship, but everything. Literally, you yes, learn very true. by seeing the mistakes in front of you. Very true. And uh, that first year in business, I did literally every single stupid mistake in the book that is there. In fact, if, if, if there is anything, you, you ask me a question of if you would return back and you would do it, would you do it? In this time, I wouldn't do it. Like, I wouldn't go back and start a consulting company because we started off with a management consulting company and it was uh, specifically um, around um, sports facilities and fitness gyms managing them and building them from scratch mm -hmm. and the amount of money that we lost kind of understanding how this ecosystem works how this market works and back then for, forget cash flow forget all of this stuff man i i i got introduced to cash flow in the first year of business <laughs> you had to learn <laughs> i had to learn yeah i literally had to learn all of this mm -hmm. stuff by doing um and because if not then you, it hurts literally it hurts in your pocket yeah yeah money it, you know? well it did your wallet yeah it did already yeah it hurt uh, the first two years and then things kind of got a lot better um, but what was the drive behind you know the first venture second venture what is, was the drive behind did you want to change something in a specific industry field or was it more like this excitement of starting something new to be maybe in the future to be a big potato big player in the industry big potato. <laughs> big potato. i mean i'll tell what you the, the truth like part the behind? big big potato is there all the time um i but but the mo the 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 big drive was love for optimization mm -hmm. uh, and actually you can see that in the company's uh, name uh, so we called it lean international um, and we had like lean international consulting, lean laundry, and even uh, the only the only company that never <laughs> took the word lean was Maverick Media, which was totally uh, totally out uh, separately under. But lean, the concept of lean, the concept of that you know what philosophy you, behind it's the philosophy, mm -hmm. right? And this is what I really believed in. Yeah. And in engineering, you learn this, by the way, like you get taught how to actually design something that is so optimized 
it doesn't have to be it's not the most expensive way it's not necessarily the one that will give you 100% of the outcome but it's the optimum method right it's the optimum solution but also what you said before you love experiments so yes. through experiments the outcome is optimization exactly. the specific process exactly and it, but in in entrepreneurship experimentation is a very expensive way of learning um And it's not just taxing on the pocket, but it's also taxing mentally and taxing in many ways. And um, yeah, I think I think that's the love for optimization, the love of seeing businesses do better, mm -hmm. and knowing that you were the the reason or the company behind it is what was driving us. Right? You can only see that in return. And when you look back, you know, like in a perspective, how to improve that? Because when you start something, yeah. you not necessarily see the improvement. Yes. I had, you know, you're planning. We'll exactly. optimize it. But when you look exactly. back, you actually kind of see, in ideal yes, case, exactly. the improvement. Very true. So I guess... And just listen to your words. You have to go through this first yes. to yeah. see if there is some improvement or is that the results happened in the past. Yes, very more or less. You know, we talked about the university. We talked about you know very briefly about the uh, Lean International Group first venture. When it comes to the chapters, do you see there were like some specific life transitions? Because we talked about till chapter three about till the university, mm -hmm. from university, do you see that the whole time during university is in the own chapter, or do you see that was it? Yeah. It's just one chapter, university it is one is chapter. one chapter. Yeah. So when I just summarize quickly the university bill before going to the first job and venture, how would you summarize that these few years, the university, before going to the venture? Um, so uh, at university, at university, it was all about uh, studying, and it was all about um, creating things. So, how would you name this chapter then? If you want to give it a name. So what I had in mind was Z zero social life. Was that was the name of that chapter? Uh, that was included the university. Yeah. So the time from the from 16 to 20 is like University. zero social. Okay. Yeah. And then from 20? Zero, zero social, or you can think of it as the um, the geek. <laughs> zero. <laughs> and the subtitle is then zero social yeah, life. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. And then from 20 years old onwards? towards your uh, venture because also it wasn't just studying i was uh, i was president of the ieee um ieee chapter in uh, the pi i was um i was i was holding a position i think it was events and culture in the student um council mm -hmm. Uh, by the way, this is where I met Mahmoud Dadi from oh, really? uh, Shuruk really? Investments. Yeah, so he was the, he was the president ago. of the student chapter. Interesting. Um, so so this time from the 20 years onwards. Yeah. And I think till your first venture, mm -hmm. 
do you see that as their own chapter as well? Yes. Or kind Until of the first venture, it is the it, it is a chapter. Because it was uh, not necessarily to the ver first venture. It's actually until I joined Fitness First. So the first maybe three years and a half. Where you worked at Adnock. Yeah, where I worked Electrical in Adnock. Yes, engineer. yes, yes. Okay, how would you summarize that term? You haven't talked much about uh, this in particular, but how would how would you summarize it? Let's say this was your very first, let's say, full-time position mm. in this field. Yes. Exposed after the university. How would you summarize that experience or this chapter? It was actually a rebirth. It was a rebirth? It was a painful rebirth. Let me put it this way. Actually, that could be the name of the chapter, a painful rebirth. What did you make? Uh, um, what, what learnings did you have in this? Because it sounds like you had this kind of aha moment. The aha freedom. moment was the first day I went to work. <laughs> that was like <laughs> a aha moment. It was like, oh shit. Because <laughs> uh, uh, the first day, the, for me, for me, I, uh, you see, you'll you'll find a trend here. By the way, every single every every between every chapter and the other, there is a clash between expectation and reality. Yes. And. But that clash could is the transition where you kind of change the direction. In a yeah, specific, exactly. You know, uh, uh, work not or necessarily or just change the direction, but it also. It also um, uh, I don't know what to, how to put it, but let me let me explain. Let me let me take you through it. In university, my expectations of an engineer was that you design. This is what an engineer is. Like in fact, in the first freshman year, they tell you an engineer is a, is a problem. Uh, problem um, uh, uh, solver, right? Give him a problem, he's gonna solve it for you. In fact, he's not just gonna solve it for you, he's gonna create the optimum solution, both technically and commercially. <laughs> and I loved it. This is what I love about engineering. It's the, the ability for you to create a solution to the problem. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what I love about entrepreneurship. It's the same thing. Yeah. And this is what I expected to do at work. First day at work, I got slapped with reality. This is not what an engineer does. Or at least this is not what the engineer does in our company. And it didn't involve any creating. It didn't involve any innovation. It's more of admin work. Like literally 80% of your work is more admin than any engineering it is. And I hated that because, and I, I saw like the first couple of weeks at work, I realized if I continued in this way, my brain will stop functioning. Mm -hmm. And if there is anything that I value much in my life is two things, my time 
and my brain power. If you're going to consume brain power, you better be <laughs> you you better be <laughs> something worth <laughs> worth using my brain power on. Yeah. Um and uh I quickly took the decision to continue my studies. Interesting. Yeah. Because I felt that this is the only way I could stay intact with what I understood engineering is all about. So staying in that bubble, in that bubble of this belief, right? Exactly, right? So I would okay. I would do my full-time job from let's say eight to three, yeah. and then after after three I would go and study twice twice a twice a day, um, twice a week, sorry. Um, um, masters in control engineering. Okay. And that kind of kept me going because this is where all the create now this is like next level shit in creation right now this is your master's degree you get come up with new shit and you study new levels of mathematics and physics and and it it kept me going it kept that fire on um are you that person who needs this kind of external triggers this fire on Because when I just listen to you, you know, you made you you are relatively aware of what makes you stop mm-hmm. believing in something. Mm-hmm. But you make the change mm-hmm. immediately or decision by trying to find something which mm-hmm. gives you this kind of energy, this kind of impulse. That's very true. So till you need now. this kind of even till now, you yeah. always need this kind of fire. Fire. If it's self created, maybe for your own venture, or an external kind of Yeah. And if it's not external, I'll create it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what maybe the venture is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you, you work. And uh, yeah. by the way, this is not just uh, this is not just from an educational perspective. It's across any sector in life. So if it was my relationships, if it was education, if it was work, if it was you name it, you'll always find that pattern mm-hmm. that. Once I get to a stage where this is done, what's next? And if there is nothing to be done, well, let's create thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a healthy lifestyle, a mindset, you know. Let's, if, if there is no solution, you create the solution, as simple as it is. Yeah, know? but then sometimes it's actually, it's actually nice just to be. It's it's nice to be, but the best future you can forecast is the future you create. Yeah, right? That's very true as well. Yes, and that's I think this is this is what you kind of have this mindset. Mm-hmm. You have vision something. If you can't find the existing solution, you're creating it. Yes, and this is maybe why I'm, I want to uh, talk about about the the ventures you're creating now after the you you know parallel study. You created businesses which don't exist at that time, mm-hmm. or that didn't you know provided this kind of solution. It's different. Yes. One of the businesses you create was a uh, tech uh, body. And no, the uh, tech no, body um, was, uh, um, that was consulting. Vakil, Vakil, sorry, Vakil. Vakil, and Vakil, you know, maybe you can summarize it better, but Vakil provided business or government solutions mm. in a more straightforward, more uh, faster way. Because it doesn't. It didn't exist at that time. You know, you provided a solution which you were looking for mm-hmm. to help other people to make their task easier. Yeah. 
So can when you look back to your free ranchers, do, do you see a pattern in these free ranchers? Yeah, it was. Uh, it always started with uh, uh, with a problem that I faced. It always started with a problem I personally faced. Yeah, and then it went on uh, on. Okay, well, is there anybody facing the same problem, or is it only me? Right. Yeah. And then you start realizing, oh shit, like, there are tons of people out there that are just facing the same trouble. Well, is there anybody who did a solution for it? And then you start realizing, oh, there's, well, the solutions out there are not necessarily the ones that are, they're not done in, again, optimum, right? That's, that's what drives me, right? Mm. The, the, the solution, right? And um, is it done in the right way? Um, or is it is it done in a way that is so easy uh, for the user to kind of adopt? Uh, go into the details because a lot of a lot of the businesses that are out there um, are a product of trial and error. And as much as I love the trial and error, what I love more is research before trial and error because just trial and error by itself is stupid you know what it actually reminds me of one of those that i worked under when it was an ad knock and you know you a generator stops you troubleshoot yes right? it's called troubleshooting and you don't troubleshoot with trial and error yeah you can trial and error you can do it but it will take you so much time to figure out the problem if you instead if you actually go out there read the schematics you bring up the schematics right mm -hmm. and you kind of pinpoint the area that you want to focus on right yeah. and you think about it systematically yes right? and you go into okay well it can't be this it can't be that so most probably it will be around here so let's go here let's start there, there so having a plan no, exactly having a plan right? before you troubleshoot exactly before and a lot of those then. businesses that are out there because they they saw the opportunity right but the way they addressed the solution the way they came up with the solution came from trial and error mm. now my question is how do you know when to stop because you might get a solution and you might be fixing the problem but is it the the way is it the optimum way of solving it can you do better right so where do you stop a lot of a lot of businesses out there or the founders themselves have very low thresholds right they have very low ambition on how to improve this as they found a way to make this commercially viable that's it forget it we're yeah. making money now it's okay right but that obsession of the process, the obsession of creating products, services that dig so much into details, that doesn't come unless you research. That doesn't come unless you put more effort into understanding your customer, understanding the problem itself, before you go on and just do trial and error. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think this is where the, a lot of the difference comes in. A lot of the difference that we created in the ventures come in is because we understood the problem we understood the customer 
really well. We've took time to research. In fact, I believe in Wakil, we took a, a year to research. Because you need to understand the customer exactly. behavior. You've got to understand. You put yourself in the customer shoes, literally. And that's, that's mm. really what I would certainly want all ventures to understand. All this uh, Silicon Valley break and uh, break thing things and just do it and the lean startup model where you you know you go through things and uh, until you figure it out. Yeah. I I don't know. I to tell you the truth, I don't believe in this model because it kind of puts more emphasis on creating a product by doing rather than you understanding the customer first. You're, un you're trying to understand the customer through them interacting with your product. So, but that's, uh, that's, that's a part of it. So it all comes down, I think you're also covering the human-centered design. Exactly. Literally. That's putting what the design human thinking the is all yeah, about. Yes. Yeah. That totally putting yeah. the human being or the customer in the forefront of your product. Yes. And all that. Yes. I came across... I came across one statement you said, and that was, <laughs> I kind of laughed about it when I <laughs> came across this. You said once, one of the most important decisions during founding our past businesses were hiring a lawyer. Yes, very true. <laughs> from what? Protect, protecting from what? Why so did you? Two things that, two things that, uh, or two hires that I would do differently if I returned back time. Mm -hmm. First two people to hire would be an accountant or a finance manager mm -hmm. and a lawyer. And the lawyer doesn't have to be full-time, but going through setting up your policies, setting up your procedures, setting up your business, understanding um, the risks, it's actually that more than anything else, is understanding the risks of your contracts, understanding the risks of what you could potentially go into is what is required. Because um, I remember in our first venture, our first client, we had a six-month contract. And we literally did an amazing job. It was our first client. We wanted, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we go out there with a reputation. These guys are super awesome. So we literally pulled every single trick. We worked double hours. We did whatever we can do to make sure these guys turn around the business. And we did. In six months' time, the business was turned around. They went from negative cash flow to positive cash flow. Um, and uh, their club was buzzing. And, and then... Just a couple of weeks before the contract ends, we were slapped with a warning, a notice, a legal notice. It's like, a legal notice? From, from who? <laughs> <laughs> and it was the client asking for all the money back, saying that we did nothing in the contract. And... You can't forget the first time you get a legal notice. Like it's like getting the computer the first time. <laughs> it's the same thing. Similar <laughs> experience. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, if it wasn't for Aya, it like the way she dealt with it. You what? Just yeah. for for everyone to 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 listen. Yeah. Who is that? J yeah. So I am my wife. Ex yeah. Just uh, a quick. Yeah. So. Um, that time. If because she she was a legal uh, um, legal officer back then, and if it wasn't for her, like you know, you would kind of go mm. nuts because um, she she dealt with it very professionally she knew what to write back and thanks god we had everything that we've done from the day we we got the business uh, until the day we exited written in like every single process every single detail mm -hmm. was in a file in fact after that project we had like a couple of big files uh maybe around a hundred plus uh documents of proof with pictures with with timestamps with everything you yeah. know to yeah. kind of say f there is no way that we didn't do anything right yeah. we've turned if there's anything we've turned around your business and it was and we never figured out we never figured out why did the client do this? You know, once you get into that, um, really, there must be something. Else. I mean, whatever I mean, it is, we like we we had we sat on the same table, but there was like literally we couldn't figure out what is it, why is there, and then you, you, you gotta also know that once the notices are out, it's lawyers speaking with lawyers. Yeah. You know? You kinda but it's also a language where you you <laughs> less yeah. likely to interfere as well between exactly the right, yeah. um, and uh, you know, thanks God, uh, thanks God. There's there's nothing that happened. In fact, it mm. stopped there because our our reply, you know, uh, what I had drafted was amazing. Mm. It was like, forget it. There's no there is there there isn't there isn't a legal case here. So. Um, but also the you know the the rec all the recordings you had all the you know, documents yes. you captured all that the track record everything like this is actually your DNA of the business exactly to prove that you have done something not just the result yeah. that actually the act itself yes has to be recorded and yes. I think that also is, is kind that of a learning for everyone else definitely well, that, like that you should document everything exactly and we don't I don't think startups nowadays. Uh, kind of understand um, the importance of actually recording everything. They, uh, um, the startups don't even get the why would they record, why would they have corporate governance to begin with, right? And uh, forget recording your processes. Um, so it's, it's certainly an aha moment or certainly something that we were doing because that's who we are. Mm. But we realized the importance of it when it came to the test, right? And um, and again, it's not because it's not. I'm not saying to hire a lawyer because of what happened with me. I'm saying hire a lawyer because it is finance and law are very specialized, right? They're, they the 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 devil is in the details. And the details that you can dig into the finance, the details that you can dig into law are a lot.
When it comes to marketing, mostly it's creative. And it's, yeah, there are details in the graphic design, la la la, all of this stuff. Mm. But you know what? You don't get killed by graphics, right? Your business doesn't stop with graphics. Um, your campaign might not function properly, but that's it, Yeah. right? But with legal, you can literally go um, bust because of contract. Of course, right? you can end whole you business. Can literally, yeah, yeah, you can, you can literally or... go, uh, your shareholders could literally vanish with a, with a contract. Um, and finance is the same thing. Money could be wasted. Money could disappear. Money mm. could be optimized. And it's that level of details that you're not going to get by trial and error. You need an expert. You need somebody who has the eye or built the eye because it is expensive for you to learn on the way, on the go. So at least just hire an accountant. At least make sure your bookkeeping is done right. Okay. Free mentors, Sephora. Do I see all these free ventures in one chapter? Yes. And how would that be called? Um, Because I assume each venture created a different kind of learning curve as well. Um, yes and no. It's actually it tapped into opportunities. Um, and yes, because they tapped into opportunities in different industries. Mm -hmm. So you, you learn different things in different industries, yeah. right? Um, But I think the underlying message is one, right? It's, it's the passion towards, and the passion and the commitment towards building value. So building value, literally. Yeah. That's the, that's how it all comes. Value for the customer. And value for me. That was literally where the, mid so if there is, if there is anything, if value was, um, in percentage, 70% of the value that I have right now, in terms of learning, in terms of money, in terms of everything, has come because of these ventures. Are these learning, learnings, these learning curves you experienced over the last couple of years um, for your ventures, are these the, is this the knowledge you want to share for your tea talks? So literally your, you know, online social media kind of promote, promotion? Yes, these and a lot more. We have a fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've uh, dropped water and we, <laughs> we, we had smoke. It's one of those, uh, so it's one of those, <laughs> one of those talks that would go wrong. <laughs> Well, this is uh, so. What just happened? Literally, just the fire, uh, the fire. No, the gas alarm just turned on. So either something is on gas here. Yeah. <laughs> Does it happen very frequently? Uh, during the summer, almost every day. Oh, really? Because of the AC. Interesting. I don't know why. Since May, um, or since yeah, May, it should have been the AC is more frequently on. Yeah, it's always on. I don't know why, for whatever reason, because the air circulation is not as good, mm. even as I open in the morning. Then. Yeah. But anyway, so that happens live on a recording. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, sorry, you. you yeah. So it's building value. That yeah. that would be the name of the chapter. Building value. Yeah. But this is also related to what you try to do right now with T talks, right? Yeah, very Because true. what I can see in T talks, so T talks, if you maybe quickly explain, I can see that you're trying to educate 
not just young entrepreneurs, but also educators, a whole kind of industry. Yeah. Of specific, or focusing on, or helping focusing on specific areas where others would not even thought of. Yes. Yeah, when it comes to culture, you know, you keep saying that, um, it's like topics similar, like giving feedback, like creating a feedback culture. Counting is one thing, but giving this kind of interpersonal kind of relationships are also key when you build a venture. Mm -hmm. Areas which we never thought of, or we never really focus on, mm -hmm. because we all always focus about the outcome, mm -hmm. building yes. a business, and forget forgetting the people the behind. Process, yeah. And the process. And when you talk about the process, you're talking about people. Yes. And I can see in the tea talks um, that you emphasize on this as well. Yeah, very true. And I think, again, um, with tea talks Tuesdays, I remember the trigger was like there's so much learnings that I went through and that I kind of share through one-to-one -one coaching, one-to-one -one mentoring, but I always felt like this is not enough. Like um, there is no enough impact being done by Tarek, right? And and this is where. Um, and this is where it all started. I actually wanted to share all my learnings across anybody across the world can just tap into it. And um, and this is where it started. It started off with literally that was the trigger. Um, now, will this kind of take um, uh, take different shapes down the line? Uh, would it be a TV show down the line? Whatever it is, like, I don't care. I don't know. Um, and I'm not thinking about it. I'm just literally scripting every single episode, write, write down different examples, write down everything that I think you kind of need to know and, and just throw it in. And if it changes one person out of the millions it can touch, awesome. I've done mm. my work. You know what? I sleep like a baby. I'm not mm. like a baby. Well, I sleep like an adult. Um, I sleep well. Yeah. And I think that's that's really what I'm trying to do is again building value and uh, or not necessarily just building value it's building value and making an impact. You've been mentor for a couple of years as well, you yes. know, in different uh, yeah. For almost like 4 years. Almost 4 years. Yeah. So you're literally stepping into the educational field as well. One year ago you joined Shira. I've always loved the education side, by the way. Like even in university, I was a tutor because I yeah. loved it. I loved, I loved the opportunity for me to, to be able to teach something, but in the same time to learn something else from you as a as a student or as a tutee, right? Tutee, yeah. Um, when you when you mentor, do you have that maybe such unconscious kind of action? Did you see yourself? in a way to, as you said before, with the professors, like the professors you have in mind, they simplified very complex processes. Did you yeah. see yourself as a mentor to change something in this kind of industry to say, okay, very complex procedures, to explain that in a very simple way, when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to specific processes? Do you see yeah. that this is maybe one of the triggers which brought you into education field as well? Yeah, in I, general? I uh, not necessarily triggers, but it's certainly a way that I want to focus on building value. Um, y you, you get to see how we all kind of teach entrepreneurship, right? 
we go into all the the different you know the business model canvas and then we dig deeper into the marketing funnel and the pirate metrics and and then you dig deeper into strategy and all of the and so much content so much um so much of tools and things that you've got to learn and financial modeling and and to tell you the truth it's a lot simpler than this <laughs> and, and it and you just need to kind of realize one thing these are all tools and skills that will help you take decisions but what is more importantly is the ability for you to reframe a problem if you can see problems at a different light if you can see problems in a way that makes you think of solutions that are optimum and simple right from the start you will not need a business model canvas you will not need anything of this like you cannot you cannot i don't know if that happened or not but i can expect that uh Steve Jobs didn't build Apple with a business model canvas, right? Of course not. Yeah. It, <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> the, in fact, business model canvas didn't exist back then. <laughs> None of these kind of tools. <laughs> and, and what I'm trying to say is we put a lot of focus on the tools, but we don't put a lot of focus on the process of, of reaching to a decision or a process of how do you reframe the problem mm. how do you look at the problem differently and again this is where i believe the beauty of design thinking design thinking didn't bring anything new actually design thinking just made what is so natural conscious for me yeah for for me design thinking is more kind of a method yes of existing kind of uh, yeah exactly procedures but i have to say you know like Let's summarize any kind of tools, like even business model canvas, value proposition canvas, any other kind of canvases, and there are thousands of them, you know, all kind of the same version. For some, and I, I have to say for majority of the people, they need to learn first what is actually the problem. And to see the problem, it's important to split it down in specific modules or specific kind of chapters. The capability, as you say, rephrasing the problem can only start once you actually understand what's the problem. And I think the capability of having this skill set comes down the line. Mm. Experiences in life, experience knowing the customer, whom and send the sign. What actually is the problem you're trying yeah. to solve? And then you can rephrase this. Maybe yep. these tool sets are just helping you to better see the problem and not mm. necessarily finding the solution for it, but just understanding the problem. Yes, exactly. Maybe this is where I can uh, see yeah, more. Yeah, very true. I agree because with you. Because some just don't, that some just need that help yeah. of putting it in specific kind of chapters uh, or models. In a way, while you're talking, what came to my mind is... Let's build a venture about... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, <laughs> I remembered one important thing. And it's a trend that you'll see throughout. Anytime there was a learning curve, there was patience. And I believe in building companies, the one thing that you also need to learn is patience. 
because you might not necessarily get the answer right from the start and you mm. might not necessarily build a venture while you're in the 20s so then you can make it for the 30 under 30 Forbes list right and you're certainly not gonna build ventures and there is there is so much of pressure that is naturally there by the way yeah for you to perform faster yeah that's there and and i think as an entrepreneur i've learned this the the hard way is the ability for you to stop it's not a race it's fine if you didn't do it in your 30s it's fine if you did it in your 60s it's fine if you didn't at all and as long as you can focus on the main reason of why you're building a company the main reason of why you're passionate about it, the why, right? That fire will still be there. Of course, yeah. I think this age group, what you say, you know, the top 30 under the age of 30s, yeah. etc. <laughs> this is just a comparison of age, <laughs> but not necessarily a comparison of experience. You yeah. know, and this is just, this is for me... Or wisdom. Yeah. Both. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, comes, it's not a measurement at all of what you have actually achieved. Yes. Or what do you want to achieve at all? It's just a comparison yeah, of age. It's, and it's putting you into like this kind of time pressure of you have to perform this in the five years' time. If you don't do that, you're not on this list. Who cares about this list? I mean, honestly speaking, if you really care about the impact you want to create and have a kind of a sense of understanding how you make your living with it, mm -hmm. in my opinion, there is no need of being of any kind of list. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lists are super important, regardless of what lists you're talking about, whatever yeah, yeah. it is, helps you. F but it should not be the trigger of why you're doing it. The trigger of why you're doing it should not be, it should be just a reflection of what you have done. If it's based on the age, it should be definitely not part of it. Because, I mean, in the end of the day, otherwise people just perform based on what they have to perform within that age group, mm -hmm. and forgetting the learnings behind. Mm -hmm. um, for you, Tarek, when I look back into you know the last one or two years, this is mentoring, or the couple of years, four years now, mentoring, education, and before the venture. You talked about the previous chapter, chapter four, about the painful rebirth, mm -hmm. the time afterwards. After this aha moment, the reality was different, you started the ventures. Uh, you started to build value in with, with ventures the last few years when you are now stepping into more the educational sector, even if you were a mentor prior before, how would you f summarize that chapter? Being now working at Shira as a growth mm. manager. It would be passion put to work. Passion put to work. When you want to summarize that last chapter, what would be the pit, pat, uh, pitch tagline? Literally, what would be the summary of it? Of that chapter? Of that chapter, yeah. What message do you want to come across when you say, okay, you're currently working in Chira, you're currently you know, focusing on helping other entrepreneurs mm. scaling the businesses? What is that most important message you want to 
I would say, I'd say for every entrepreneur that is out there, I salute you. <laughs> Commit to the cause. <laughs> Stay committed. Stay, keep your perseverance on. It's okay if you still didn't make it. You will. Just be patient. And don't do my mistakes. The reason why I went into the education side of things or the mentoring side of things is because I didn't, I didn't want anybody to go through my pains. Mm-hmm. And to tell you the truth, the first two years, I, the concept of a mentor never, never came to my mind, by the way. I didn't, I didn't know what a mentor was. It just happened. You shared experiences with others, right? Yeah. This but is technically what you do no, as a but, but like in the first year of business, I, I never had a mentor. Like yeah. it, didn't, it didn't struck me, right, that I need to sit with someone and kind of go back and forth, get their input and mm. advice. And that wasn't there. I, I got the first time I understood what a mentor is, is um, when I approached uh, a person. Um, for investment and that quickly turned into a mentorship thing that we had together Mm -hmm. and although I didn't get the investment from him but up till now he is my mentor he is one of my mentors Mm -hmm. and he kind of opened the eyes that Oh, so why don't I, well, have like two, three other people like him that I could just go and grab chats and, you know, and, and they could open doors and they could mm. do a lot of things. Like it, that is how I got introduced to mentorship. And because I've, I, I loved what it have done to me. I wanted to do the same for others. Because you saw the value in it. I saw the value in it, right? And this is where I like mentored left, right, and center. And I was, all of this was volunteering, all volunteering. Mm. And um, it's only when it got crazy, like now I've been like mentoring uh, at least six hours a day, and it was like, oh, that, like this is turning out to be a full time job now. <laughs> and uh, this is only when I started to kind of charge for my time, mm-hmm. just to limit the number of hours that is expected from me. To time mentor, is very right? as well. When you uh, but I like I never did it for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's. I'll tell you one thing, and again, that you will see in throughout the story you will see that that's a pattern I usually flunk the first tests I, I don't pass on the first time I don't pass my driving license for the first time I didn't pass my personal training exam the first time I didn't pass um, my first company. <laughs> I did. It, I I usually fail first. And 
throughout, I always see that that failure actually either made me a better PT or a better driver, although mm, that wouldn't be agreed by many people, <laughs> or a better or a better coach or a better mentor or a better uh, businessman, so on and so forth. You have to make the mistakes by yourself to understand what needs to be changed. I think yeah. you have to go for it. You have to experience the pain. Yeah. I guess this is, no one can, maybe you are this kind of personality who, even if someone tells you how to do it, something new, whatever it is, you won't necessarily take it into consideration. You have to do it by yourself that's and true. feel the pain. That's very true, yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually good because that's, you understand it then. Yeah, and at the same time, I still don't know how you did it. Like, what if you did it wrong? <laughs> like you didn't share with me the experimentation uh, documents yeah. that you've put together to come up with the conclusion that it doesn't work, right? Yeah. Um, maybe, just maybe, different values, different ways of doing it um, kind of got, would get me a different result than yours. Yeah. Sometimes it's not the case, but sometimes it is. Tarek. In every book, there's a copyright section mm -hmm. saying, don't copy this. What should other people who listen not copy from your life? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, copy would you advise someone, let's say, you, would, you, would you advise someone not to do that? Um, certainly certain, don't, certain copy, don't copy my mistakes. Although that would be a bit selfish because it's through my mistakes that I actually learned. Yeah, I was just so, saying, you just yeah. mentioned something So I would, I, would, I would be happy for you to copy my mistakes, although I would still kind of try to urge you not to do them. Do new mistakes. I don't mind you doing new mistakes, but don't do the old ones. Yes. <laughs> um, but actually, when you mentioned but, about these old mistakes, you know, even if you, when we're just talking about entrepreneurship or venture creation, you know, when we look into competitors, we're learning actually, we can actually research their mistakes and can learn from them. That's true. And this is what we're forgetting. We can learn from other people who have done the same mistake. Yes. And maybe they would share their learnings. Yes. Just mention on this. I agree. Um, what would be the one thing that they shouldn't copy? So they would copy and then what? Do, what would they do with it? It's up to them. Okay. You know, like in a copyright section, you cannot copy without you know, permission, permission or anything. Yeah. I mean, certainly don't copy the story. Like, this is my story, right? <laughs> um, don't become another Tarek. <laughs> yeah, don't be another Tarek. Um, and chances are, like, you... Chances are it will be different for everyone, but... Um, I mean, your copyright session can be also empty. It is empty. Yeah. Like, like right be, now, no. I think... I think, you know, copy whatever you want. Like, if that's, if copying my life would get you to where you want to be, by yeah. all means, do it. If you're going to copy it to build a book around it and sell that book, all I care about is just my, my part. <laughs> I get just, my shares on it. I get my shares on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah, I would love you to actually go and sell it. Sell it. <laughs> <laughs> just give me my shares, that's it. Tarek, what's your next chapter in life? 
Ah. Ah. Yeah, in one year we're going to talk again and then review it. Ah, damn it, I haven't done it. <laughs> What's uh, your next chapter? What's, you must have, you know, specific, like, next objectives, goals. What will be the next chapter? Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. There are many things that are floating around, but I'm not sure if they're next or not. Give it a headline, at least. Not in particular. What is that headline? What is like, you know, if it's like a kind of a vision, what is that headline vision? Sound like. Stability. Right. I think, you know, and I actually, when I started asking this question in the interviews, I also reflected on myself, where would I want to be, you know? And Everyone has thousands of ideas. But the toughest part is to see what is the kind of common kind of headline of it. Yeah. And there is That's exactly definitely the common, yeah. the common thing is in, in your case stability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you remember, I asked you in the beginning or I told you in the beginning that we gonna summarize the book title in the end, or we're gonna look into the book title. Having now six chapters your book with all these chapters and all this reflection how would you call it a book you mentioned once and in the beginning they that it should be playful the cover should look playful yeah. you know it's like not like scripted or whatever, playful. The art of fucking up greatly. <laughs> I think that F word has to be like <laughs> <laughs> with some dot dots. <laughs> Is that the title you want to continue in your life in the next yeah. chapters as well? I'll tell you this, um, if there's anything that I'm certain of, is that there will be always areas where I will fuck up, and I will learn, and I'll fuck up, and I'll learn, and so on and so forth. And every time it's a new thing, you know? If it was uh, building a business, or if it was a job, or if it was a career uh, path, if it was parenting, if it was home, relationships, whatever it is, they evolve, they don't stay the same, right? They change. In fact, I personally change throughout from, from innocence going rogue to, <laughs> to uh, yeah, to building value, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I have personally changed. I have personally, there are things that improved in me, but there are things that, that I still have to improve on. Work in progress. Work in progress. Yeah. And it will always be work in progress because most probably I will be exposed to new challenges. And from what I've seen, I will never get through the challenge from the first time. So I'll have to fuck up. Like this, 
Like this is built in for me to learn. I have to fail, and I'm ready for this. Right? I was just, I'm just I'm wanted to say you're actually yeah. expecting it already because you know you will learn afterwards. Exactly. Oh whoa! <laughs> <laughs> this interview, <laughs> there are a lot of the a lot of hiccups. <laughs> 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 the fire went down. <laughs> Water was split. Uh, <laughs> table <laughs> is falling. <laughs> it's kind of Jeez. mirroring down the, yeah, <laughs> the title. <laughs> it's like the art of fucking up your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But this is, I will be honest with you, Tarek. This is actually, you know, this is... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this <Okay>. is natural. <laughs> I think I don't know. You know, sometimes we always plan everything. This goes. It should go according plan. We plan ahead. We plan ahead. We do step by step, and then it should all go according plan. But then things don't go according plan, and then we are so angry, nervous, sad, disappointed, depressed, and then things should go better. But then things not necessarily go better. And that's how we react to it as well. Mm. I think, as you said, you're already welcoming this kind of mm. mistake yeah. you might do. Yeah. And you see it already in a positive way. So that you don't see it in a, in a negative way necessarily already before it takes place. Yes. You're already welcoming it. I think this is not that you're actually asking for making the mistake, but you're coping with it easier when you're already seeing it in a more positive way. Yeah. That's why I can listen through your uh, words. Yeah. yeah. So, awesome. Tarek, yeah. detox. Yeah. This is like the buzzword where I keep hearing the last few weeks from <laughs> you. <laughs> tell me, or tell everyone who's currently listening, where can they find more information about you? I assume detox is the buzzword. Yeah, so detox Tuesdays is a, a weekly uh, video. Uh, you'll find the full episodes on YouTube. They're usually like 10 to 12 minute videos. Um, season two is all about investments, uh, how VCs work and how do you raise money. And uh, I post daily um, snapshots of these videos, like 30 seconds and one minute um, snackable, shareable bites of these videos. Blink kissable. The Blinkistable videos. <laughs> and uh, actually, that's a very good idea. <laughs> here's, here's a venture for you. <laughs> um, and, uh, Filmmaking and Blinkist for a version. <laughs> and uh, I, I share them on Facebook, on Instagram. I have a, a personal page on Facebook. Uh, Tarek Ahmed Fouad is the name. Uh, they can get all the details on my website. It's tarekafoada.com. Um, and that's it. Obviously, LinkedIn and all the other social media. Uh, I'm not a Snapchat dude, so don't you'll, you'll not necessarily get any interaction from Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Remember the very first experience with Snapchat? I felt like I'm grandpa. Dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, I'm really old. You generation. It is wasn't like, designed for you. <laughs> no, not at all. I was like, whoa, aha moment. <laughs> A new chapter opened. <laughs> no becoming old. Um, great. 
Thank yeah. you, Tarek. Thank After you. After all these kind of accidents in between, from fire alarm <laughs> over <laughs> water alarm, water spelling, <laughs> really enjoyed the talk. Likewise, man. Thank awesome. you so much and for this. And guess what? We talked two hours and 30 minutes. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> Time is passing by. A new record. <laughs> Thanks, cool, Tarek. Man. Thank you. Thanks, Tarek. Thank Right, so this was Tarek, and you can find more information in the show notes. I put all the links on the website. Among others, his Tea Talk Tuesdays, where he talks on a frequent basis about the challenges entrepreneurs face and what they should need to consider. All right, that's it. Hope you liked this more entrepreneurial angle. What else do you want to hear? Leave some comments. What did you like most from this podcast? Which chapters of other entrepreneurs, athletes, innovators, or changemakers do you want to hear in the future? Leave some comments or drop me a message on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at by Daniel Ludwig. All right. You hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to your replies on social media. Just don't forget, never give up. Always look up. <laughs>